Number 112 of the Two Guys into Friday's podcast. My name is Steven. That over there is Travis. Hello, Steve. That is I. And uh, we're a TGIF podcast. We watch all of the shows that aired on TGIF 30 years later. And these are all episodes this week that would have aired when? These would have aired November 8th, 1991. All right. So back in uh, November of 91, a few things before we get into the episodes. Uh, first... Thanks to Endorsed Seller for the theme song this week. Endorsed Seller. Thank you. How do they spell Seller? Is it with an S or with a C? Straight up Seller with an S. S. Okay. Oh, like you're wondering like like a like a wine cellar or like a cellar where it's you like lock basement. people in or something. <laughs> sure. Or just a basement. I mean, I don't call my basement a cellar. Do you? <laughs> you might not. No, uh, no I, but I barely call it a basement. It's like it's just downstairs. Do people say, hey, I'm going down to the cellar to go watch some and- TV? I think a cellar is more of like a rough, like not even remotely finished kind of basement. All right. We'll go with it. Um, sure. Make sure you're following us on all social media at TGIF cast. You can go on our YouTube channel. Might have some interviews coming up. So uh, make sure you're subscribed to that. So you get updates on all the new ones. Two guys into Fridays is the way to find us on there. And if you want to send us an email with your own version of the theme song or anything else, uh, you can do that to TGIF cast at gmail.com. That's where we are. That's where you can find us. That's where we're at. Um, so before we get into the episodes, we do like to see what was going on in the world 30 years ago this week. And on November 2nd, 1991, the only reason I pulled this is because I know that it didn't hit number one this week. But uh, Jermaine Jackson, he um, released a song and uh-huh. uh, it was a Michael Jackson diss was the whole thing, was the whole idea behind this. Oh, see, okay, because you sent it to me and said, listen to this before we do the show. And I listened to it and I was like, is this about me? Or what are you trying to say? So so the, uh, name, the name of this, look, look, I'll play it first. So here's the clip. Okay, okay. Okay, so the name of the song is Word to Be Bad, and bad to is like bad. B- word, to the word to the Bad, and it's B-A-D-D, like Michael Jackson's album, right, or his, uh, the song Bad. And, okay, it's uh, coming together now. He leaked, the, the, the story is that Jermaine Jackson, uh, the song was leaked to an L.A. radio station, KPWR, and the DJ began to play uh, back-to-back continuously this and then Michael Jackson's new single, Black and White like back and forth on the radio. And it was 
like Michael Jackson was really mad about it. Apparently the next day he went to Jermaine's house and like there was rumors that he like physically like attacked him. But some people say that it was just kind of more like a conversation. But apparently after that, it was like not good terms with the two of them. Man, I mean, uh, yeah, I, w- I mean, the song is not not very nice so i can understand i can understand why he would be upset yeah and the, all the female voices on the song that's tlc and uh i think it was left eye she actually wrote the ghost wrote the rap that jermaine does in the middle of it oh yeah look at that lisa lopez good for her yeah go ahead but Baby yeah faces on it yeah sure. what was one of the writers on it okay so that's what i got for uh news this week what about movies and music what was number one yeah so all new so the song, the number one song, I've never heard of this song in my life. I've never heard of the artist. It's and not Word to the song. Bad? It's not Word to the Bad. Okay. I listened to the song and I, zero recognition. Okay. Um, Romantic by Karen White. No yeah, idea. No idea. No idea. Number one song. I, I even like tried to find information on it. And it, it, the Wikipedia page for this song is like, this song was number one in 1991. Okay. The end. Yeah. I so, don't know. Um. Anyways, so yeah, number one song, good for her. Uh, I'll never have a number one song, so she's she's doing better than me. Hold on, let me see. I, hold, I've heard on. some of your songs. There's a chance. I I mean, yeah, but I never they never get released. They're they're more like album underground cuts. kind of thing. I don't know about mixtapes. Mixed. I'll go with mixtapes. That's fine. That's good. Um. So, anyways, that's the number one song. Uh, number one movie was the People Under the Stairs, the Wes Craven yeah, movie. Yeah. Makes sense, right? Never, Halloween week, right? Yeah, sure, sure. I've never actually seen people under the stairs. Um, watched it. I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It wasn't what I, what it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, which was which I always enjoy. So I, I liked it. It was a good movie. All right. Um, uh, any birthdays? And then we have one. We do have one birthday. Uh, we have Miss uh, Belita Moreno who plays Rita on uh, Perfect Strangers. So happy birthday! That was November first. She plays who? Rita, is it Rita? What, am I getting your Rita. name wrong? I don't know. That yeah. works of the that works of the Chronicle. No, Lydia. L- uh, uh, L- uh, Lydia, not, not Rita. Lydia. Thank you. I don't know why I said Rita because her name is Belita. And I, so yes, she plays Lydia on uh, on Perfect Strangers. Of course, made a guest appearance on an episode of Going Places as a totally different character, unrelated. And she's but. got a big moment in this week's episode of Perfect Strangers too. So oh, kind of a weird moment yeah. too. I, so we'll talk about that when we get strange. to it for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. First up this week, the 8 o'clock slot. It's Family Matters Season 3, Episode 8. The name of the episode is Making the Team. Uh, It does start off with uh, Carl in the kitchen, and he's uh, got a box of cereal, and he looks like he's going to start pouring a bowl of cereal, but instead he's pulling out donuts from the box of cereal. Uh, Good trick. I mean, that's the way to do it, I guess, if you're going to hide it, you know? I feel like it's impractical, but I appreciate his effort. I guess if uh, Harriet was to ever like move a box of cereal, it would weigh significantly different than a box of cereal if it was stuffed with donuts. It would, but it's also not a great way to keep donuts fresh. Like I that, feel like that's not his worry. Have... His worry is hiding these things from Harriet. That's all he cares about. <laughs> they're right not. Now. They're not around long enough for them to get stale. He's he's eating them before that's even an issue. Yeah, I think so. And then uh, Richie comes okay. in. He asks if he can have some of the donuts, and Carl's like, "All right, here, take one." And then. Uh, Richie actually asks Carl to sponsor him in the upcoming bikeathon, and um, there's some like haggling back and forth on how much he's gonna sponsor him for. I think Richie wants like 500 bucks to start off with. That's they, where he starts. 
Yeah, they end up agreeing at 20 bucks, and then uh, Carl's like, oh, yeah, it's charity. I don't mind doing it. And then uh, Richie's like, well, it's not exactly for charity. I kind of just need a new bike. And then he takes the 20 bucks and runs off. They also both kind of hold each other up. Like, I can't remember what Carl says to Richie, but Richie tells Carl that he's going to tell Harriet about the donuts if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't give him some money. Yeah, and Carl's like, I'm going to tell your mom something, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember what it was that I can't remember what it was that he was that shoot, he was going to tell Rachel. Richie's, Richie's scheming at a young age. I don't know if he gets if he gets this from Eddie or, or where he's getting it from. Probably Eddie. That's what I'm thinking. All right, so after the theme song, we come back. We've got um, Eddie in the kitchen. He's trying to leave, but Steve Urkel comes in at the same time, bonks him in the head with the door. And uh, notably, Steve Urkel has a basketball in his hand, which we don't see very often. And uh, he tries to get Eddie to go play some basketball with him. but He's looking for someone to play with him. Eddie's like, I can't do that. I'm too good. That'll hurt my reputation. And Urkel tells him, well, you know what? I'm actually pretty good at basketball, and I'm going to try out for the basketball team. Yeah, Eddie is like the lead, the head lead start, starting. That's the word I need. Starting forward. He's like, I can't play with nerds. I only play with real athletes. And then just laughs at him for wanting to try out. Yeah, he's like, you're never going to make the team. There's no point of going there. And uh, at this point, too, Carl comes in and he's upset because some like weird little side unimportant story where Murtaugh yeah. wants to carpool and like Carl has to drive every day and he's getting mad about it or something. Yes, yeah, so I don't remember what like. Oh, that that's that's the whole story is that he that he agreed to carpool. This is a weird little aside that has no meaning whatsoever. It's like I almost think they only put this in the beginning so then they could like bring Murtaugh in at the very end to like remind people who he is or something. But even the even his like involvement at the end is unimportant, so right? Unimportant. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So um, this also leads Stephen to telling a story about his uncle that had a two-foot nose hair, and he got it caught in the door of a Buick and was dragged eight blocks. It's a good story. Good story. Eight and a half blocks, I think. I think eight, it was eight and a half. half blocks. It's a long ways. Yeah. Um, all right, so we then go to a new scene where uh, the women of the family are all in the living room. Laura's comes in, and um, we find out that she wants to try out for the cheer team. She needs her mom to sign a form. Rachel stands up and tell her, tells her like how good she was when she was a cheerleader. And um, Can I just say something real quick? Yeah, yeah. I'm getting... I'm getting sick of Rachel. Like, oh. I feel like they... Is she ruining the family dynamic and, like, well, undercutting so the parents dim- too much? No, she's just so one-dimensional. Like, her only role for the last, like, episodes that I can remember are just her being like, you could, I'm a, I was a great actress. I was a great cheerleader. Uh, yeah. I was, like, it's just, she's just so flat. Like, I feel like everyone else has, like, these deep, rich personalities. And for her, it's just... It's not even a one-trick pony. It's just like the same. How do you how do you feel about her as an owner of Rachel's place? If that was like her only real role, would you feel better about it? I would feel better about it if we got to see her be more of a character and less of a caricature of somebody. Like, let her be the owner. I mean, even if she was that role of like Max at Max's place from Saved by the Bell, like he had a personality, had a character. He was he wasn't just like show up does his 30 second bit and then it doesn't matter for the rest of the episode. Like he was like giving them advice kind of like he was, a, he was a mentor towards them. Like, I don't know. I just want to see more. From so, I think so you move. saying this immediately makes me think of another sister that lives in the house with somebody over step-by-step with Ivy. Like wh- what sister's role do you like better? I don't even understand why Ivy and Penny are on that show. Like I, to me that their involvement. I still not hundred percent sure which one's which Ivy and Penny. Is Ivy the Ivy, sister? 
Oh, now I'm not. Now I'm confused. I, I think Ivy's Ivy's the mom. Yeah, Ivy's, Ivy's the sister. sister, and Penny's the mom. I don't know, but I don't. I don't like. What? Who cares about them? Like they're so irrelevant to the yeah. show. But they still have more depth than than Rachel does now. Like Rachel has had depth in the past, but recently, do she they though? Been... Rachel, wait. No. Are they more Ivy more and Penny? Than do Rachel? they have more depth? Than than Rachel over the last like six episodes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Rachel has been so underutilized and like just single focus underutilized it's they're like wasting her character and it's it's frustrating to me all right well back to the story um some other stuff gets said and we find out laura announces well guess what mom i already made the team i just need you to sign this form so i can be on it and then everyone cheers because yeah. laura is now a freshman cheerleader which does not happen very often if ever right and harriet was worried about her trying out and, and i think being rejected and having to go through that so harriet is thrilled when she finds out that that laura's already on the on the squad yep so we go from one trial to the other now we're at the basketball tryouts um eddie starts by leading some exercises for the team um everyone's kind of involved i guess and then uh the coach goes over or urkel goes over to the coach something like that and uh they talk a little bit i guess he's wondering like why is this guy trying out for the team that kind of thing um, they do some drills and then Urkel's getting left out, kind of like a little montage thing. Like, no like one's totally passing. going around him. Yeah. Yeah. No one's passing the ball. No one's doing anything with him. And then they, um, go to shoot from some free throws. And I was thinking, all right, this is where they're going to show off Urkel's skills. He's going to just like drain like 20 free throws in a row. And that of these finally got the too. ball, but no, the coach grabs the ball from his hands, says that the tryouts are done. And uh, says that he's going to announce the team later or something like that. Well, yeah, but I mean, Urkel was also not being very cooperative as far as as far as like shooting the ball. So what do you mean? He was like wiggling and getting in play. Oh, he yeah. Took, like, it took him like, like 10 minutes to try to shoot a free throw and he never even got to right. the point of actually. Shooting. Yeah, if yeah, he yeah. just shot the ball. I, it would it would have been okay. Well, I will tell you. I will tell you something about shooting free throws. So I, I got in this conversation a couple months ago, actually, about shooting free throws with two of my my cousin and my uncle, who are both like I don't know, in their fifties or sixties or something like that, and uh-huh. uh, they were talking about shooting free throws. And the most important part about shooting a free throw is repetition. So whatever you do, you have to do that exact same thing every single time, whether it's bounce the ball three times or spin it and let it hit the ground or do this entire one and a half minute long Urkel routine you have to do it every time or you're not going to make your free throws see what I know about free throws is that if you shoot granny style you have a much higher percentage of making it I think the person with the highest free throw percentage in the history of the NBA had like that was his style of shooting is that because of like the like arc that you can make from that I think I think I think the release point I guess have yeah I think the physics of it have a lot to do with it but um um or maybe it's yeah, maybe it's easier. People, to, people don't want to do it just because it looks it looks silly. Yeah, so. I wonder also like it's easier to repeat that same motion of a granny shot, and there's more variables that can come into play if you're shooting regular. I don't know. Possibly, possibly. All right. And my 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 comment about all time highest percentage totally not true, but um, <laughs> I know that I know the guy that did that actually like during his career had a really high percentage. Who is the all time? John Stockton, Steve Nash. I'm looking at it right now, and it is actually Stephen Curry. Steph, Steph Curry. Steph Curry, whatever. Okay. Steph Curry, but Nash is number two behind him. Okay. So, yeah, he was up there at one point. All right. So, yeah, uh, yeah practice is over. Uh, Urkel complains some more to the coach. He's like, no one ever passed me the ball. I'm really good, coach. You need to see me play. 
And the coach is like, well, Steve, you you will play an important role on this team. Uh, we could really use someone like you to be the equipment manager. And then uh, the whole he's, and then he announces Steve as the equipment manager. Everyone throws their dirty towels in Steve's face. And then we have our first sad Steve Urkel moment of this episode. Sad Steve Urkel. Rick Barry was the player that that did the granny, granny shot, shot through okay. his career. Number seven all time in the NBA. Number one all time in the ABA. Hey, counts, and number right? four. Okay, so separate. Let me see. No, hold on. That was the combined. Combined NBA, ABA is seven. ABA, number one of all time. NBA, number four of all time. Does it say what his percentage was? Uh, in the ABA, well, I'll just combine. Combined percentage was 89.31%. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Good, yeah. good for so, uh, whatever that guy's name was. So, um, Rick, Rick Barry. Rick, go Rick Barry. So uh, then we go to cheerleading practice. And this is practice. Laura's already on the team. Um, it is practice, yeah. She tries to say something. She kind of like speaks up about some new cheers or something like that. And then uh, she has some ideas for new cheers. She wants to like propose some new cheers to the squad. And then what's the captain's name on the team? Oh, I have it written somewhere. I wrote captain. Cassie Lynn. Cassie Cassie Lynn. So Cassie Lynn's the cheerleading captain. And she's like, well, no, you can't say anything. You're just a freshman. Your ideas don't count. We don't want any of this. And uh, she's she giving, calls her a thug. She calls her call a her geek thug. and then calls her a thug, which if you call it a thug nowadays, it'd, it'd be even a bigger deal than it was, I think, back then. So, yeah. So um, Laura's not feeling great, but she tries to turn things around by inviting uh, everyone on the cheerleading team to Rachel's place. She says she's going to pay for him and everything. And it looks like some of these girls are actually getting excited about the idea but here comes all whatever you said her name was, Kathy Lynn or Cassie Lynn. Cassie, Cassie Lynn. Lynn. She's like, girls, you can't do that. She's a freshman, so no, we're not going with you. And then we got sad Laura time. Sad Laura. All right. So then we go back to a scene uh, back at the Winslow's house. Uh, Laura's there. She's in the kitchen. She picks up the phone. And uh, believe it or not, she calls Steve Urkel. I don't know if this is the first she time does. she ever actually calls him, but uh, it's they make it seem like it is. And I think uh, it's the first time she called she's called him for like advice or something. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we know she needs some advice. She's like, I tell you to come over and like before she even gets to finish like talking, he's already at the house. He's got like an apron on or something like that. He's washing. He's at home. He's been washing the the basketball team's jersey. Yeah. Because they've got a game coming up. They need him perfectly clean. And that's Steve Urkel's jobs now. And uh, she sits him down. She tells him about what's going on with the cheerleading team and uh, how upset she is. And like he knows that she's only talking to him because she knows that he gets picked on and now she's getting picked on. And uh, he's like, you know what? You just can't let it bother you. You just have to fill your heart with hope and you've got to be the best at whatever you have in front of you. Yeah, and I think what she realizes that is that that she is being treated the way Urkel is normally treated. And that's, that's like a big kind of why she called him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like this, this epiphany moment. So, I mean, Steve gives some good advice. Laura thanks yeah. him for the advice. And then, uh, <laughs> see, I, I don't remember what he said, what she said first, but Steve says, you love me. Don't she you? Just, she just says, she says like, Steve, I'm going to regret saying this. Don't take it the wrong way, even though I know you will, but thank you. And she's like, you love me. And she's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> all right so after this we go right to the basketball game and uh we're like i don't know if we're at halftime or third quarter or whatever it is but the the home team eddie and steve's team they're losing 66 to 44 already and it's not looking good but not only are they losing but for some reason they're all injured they're just getting hurt left at, left and right and i don't they don't ever imply really that the other team is is 
doing this on purpose, like injuring, you know, the, the muskrats, but somehow they're all just getting injured. You know, one's got, someone's got a black eye. Someone falls and hurts their ankle. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. They're like laying down on the bench and like on the floor yeah. in front of the bench. And like, it looks like there's no one left. Like five or six of the players are already there out of no the game. Left. Yeah. So Laura tries to be the cheerleader that she is and tries to uh, cheer the team up, pump them up, get them back into this game. But uh, as she tries to get everyone to stand up, the cheer captain, she's like, shut up, Laura. Um, I only cheer for sports or sporting events, and this is a bloodbath. And she doesn't even want to get up and cheer with the rest of the team. Worst cheerleaders ever. I don't I mean, I would say worst cheer captain ever. I don't know about worst cheerleaders ever. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So um, then Murtaugh comes in for no reason, like we talked about. Comes in, (laughs) he calls over Carl. We find out Murtaugh went to the school that the Muskrats are playing, and he's like, oh, I went to a better school. And then they just like, I don't know, just a stupid conversation about, oh, we're rivals kind of thing. Totally pointless. Um, Then they cart off the injured player, Steve Urkel and Eddie or somebody else trying to cart him off. They end up dropping him on the ground. And now... The coach wants to uh, forfeit. They want to concede well, the game. Yeah, because well, at this point, they only have four players on the bench, so they don't have enough to to field a team. Yep, they can't do it with just four, but then Urkel suggests, Coach, put me in. I can do it. I'm good. And Eddie, Eddie's like, you know what, Coach? If you forfeit, they might fire you. And then the coach is like, Steve, get in there. <laughs> so then we get our first scene. Well, not really our first, because uh, well, we have seen Steve Urkel play basketball before. It was with a jetpack on. But, I was going to uh, say, it's a little bit different, a little bit different. We do know that he has some skills, but uh, we did not know that he had these skills. The first play that he's in there, steals the ball, dribbles down, scores. Bunch of like scoring montage after that, where he's just scoring Breaking all these Breaking ankles points. left and right. Yeah. Um, the other team, I think, calls a timeout at this point, and then... Laura goes out and she decides, you know what? I'm going to do this cheer all by myself. The rest of the cheerleaders aren't doing it. I'm going to stand in the middle of the court. I'm going to do this cheer that I made up and I'm going to get this team back into the mindset that they need to win this game. So she gets out there. She does this like new school cheer, like not like the team was doing before. Like they were doing like very traditional, like old school cheers with this like 80 year old coach and everything. So it was cool. Like the crowd liked it. At least her family liked it. And uh, I think it gets the team pumped up a little bit. It's a good cheer. It's got a, it ends a little bit weak, but it's, it's what a was good it like H U S H hush. No, it's, it's V. It. It's like V H S. It spells hush. Why would it be V? I thought it spelled Vanderbilt high school. No, it's four, four letters. Uh, maybe it does spell hush then. Cause she even like, puts know. her finger up. She's like, hush. Yeah, it was, I don't know. The end, it was a little bit weak on the end. It started strong, but it was still good. It was better than any of the stuff that Cassie Lynn was putting out there. Yeah. I mean, uh, so we get the cheer. Um, we go back to the game. More points from Steve Urkel. And then. Uh, killing it. On fire. Then Laura actually gets the entire team. Uh, Captain in there or not in there? I don't think she is. No, she does not. She's, she, she stays in it. Minus Cassie Lynn or whatever her name is. Uh, the rest of the team does this exact same cheer that they did 20 minutes ago. But uh, now she's got the whole team behind her. The team is only down 68 to 73. Um, then we get a few more points. It's now 71 to 73. And then uh, only down by two, Steve Urkel at the buzzer. Muskrats win. Sinks it. Uh, all the fans and the family rushes to court. Um, 
I think uh, this is a quote from Laura, I believe, where she says, Steve, you were right. Anything was possible. Steve Urkel's like, will you marry me? And she says, accept that. And then for some reason, I understand Steve being lifted up by the team, but uh, the basketball team also lifts Laura up. They're, they're both. Well, because Laura rallied the cheerleaders and got everybody, you know, pumped up. I guess. Um, yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. So, yeah, Laura and Steve are on top of the crowd. Everyone's celebrating. That's the end of the episode. So a couple of things about a couple of other things about this episode that we haven't talked about. Okay. So I don't know if you remember season one. There was the episode where Carl tried to get Eddie to play basketball, oh, yeah, yeah, and he yeah, was yeah. like not interested at all. Now he's the lead forward or starting forward for the basketball team. So a little bit of change there from Eddie. Um, it's all that hard work that uh, Carl put in, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, all that conditioning. There was something else I wanted to bring up here, and I'm totally gonna forget what it is now. Oh, Urkel. That's why I want to say Jaleel White, Urkel. So. The one thing about this episode that I think is really important to, to, to talk about is that Jaleel White is obviously the person that is doing all the basketball playing in this. There's no like stunt person or like they didn't bring in a better basketball person. And a lot of times, if you, I think if you see videos from Jaleel or not videos, but pictures of Jaleel White, uh-huh. like behind the scenes at, from TGIF back in the day. A lot of times there's like him playing basketball or him like on a half basketball court or something. So it's clear that he is probably pretty good at basketball. I bet he could be Eddie. You mean like in real life? Yeah. I, you know, the only thing that I would say maybe not is because I, be, I bet you Eddie would throw his size around a whole lot against you ever, you ever heard of Spud Webb? I have. Jaleel White's good. I don't think he's Spud Webb. And I also think that... I, think, I, 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 think I, I don't that, think uh, Eddie's LeBron James either, though. Oh, I, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I, I don't know. It'd be an interesting matchup. I'd watch it. If we ever interview them, we're going to have to ask if they played one-on-one and who usually won the games. They had I to. They I did. know that. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't want to say I know, but I'm pretty confident that Jaleel White played in a bunch of those like celebrity basketball games back in the day that used to be on TV. So. When we see uh, Eddie at, at 90s con, that's the one question I'm going to ask him. <laughs> if he ever got schooled by Jaleel White. Did you guys ever play one-on-one? Who usually won the games? <laughs> did. What didn't somebody. No, I'm thinking I of. two questions, I guess. Brooke Thies was talking about how she was in the, the softball. She won the softball games. Yeah. And, I don't think uh, we ever talked to anybody. Did somebody do basketball? Was it, was it Andrea Barber? Did she do a basketball? Did she talk about a basketball game? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Anyways, that's all I got. Fred Savage is there. I know he was at the baseball game. Yeah. I know. I remember that. All right. So let's get into the 830 slot. We've got step by step. This is season one, episode eight. The name of the episode is just for kicks. Um, it starts off, we've got Carol in the kitchen. She's like singing and uh, arranging some flowers. Dana comes down and she's trying to ask her mom about going to a concert tomorrow. She wants to see uh, her favorite musician and uh, she doesn't really want to tell her mom where this place is or anything about it. But um, I think Carol does say I, she can go ahead and go. I disagree. I don't think she knows. I think she does. Oh, you don't tell think her. she I mean, knows she tells, about this place at this point? No, no, no. I don't think so at all. I think that she. I think she does tell her mom, like, I want to go see Arlo Prine with Bernice at Jake's place. I think that her maybe only hesitation. It's a little bit late, and she, so she's not sure if Carol's going to let her stay out late to see it. But um, I think the location and the name of the and and the guy she wants to see is not a big deal. Um, I, I don't think she has any idea what she's getting herself into. I mean, I guess she wasn't like checking the Google reviews on Jake's place back then to see like what kind of place it was. Well, right. And Carol's like, Carol's like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Just be home by, uh, what did she say? 10 and, and or 11. And, and Dana's like 1130. And Carol's like, that's fine. So obviously Carol is not like opposed to this. I think it was just more of a, 
don't stay out too late situation at this point. All right, so then we get our theme song. We come back. Oh, and I did notice that other kid in the intro, finally, of the theme song. Did you? Like, That's I pay, pretty I obvious attention. when, you look, when like, you look for it. Yeah. I think my whole life, I was just thinking it was like Brendan's friend that just went to the amusement park with them, you know? I, I will tell you this. I, in my whole life, I never once paid attention until it was brought to my to, until it was brought to my attention that that was the case. I I couldn't have told you who was in that in that scene if you would ask me. I would be like, well, yeah, sure, the family. I don't know. All right. So after the theme, we come back to uh, Cody, and he's trying to get Dana to listen to some of his music, and she's like, I don't want to hear this. Uh, the only way I'm ever going to listen to uh, your music is if you write me a song about toxic waste. Uh, social injustice or the greenhouse effect, and then I'll listen to your music. And Cody says that's too much work. Oh, does he? I thought he's like, all right, I'll go write it and goes away. Well, Frank, Frank, in fairness, Frank is the one that says that sounds like a lot of work. And Cody's like, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Carol gets home at this point, and uh, Cody's got the best laugh. Yeah, I he's think got the best laugh. I think Dana and Cody are out of the room at this point, but uh, Carol gets home, talks to Frank. And uh, asks him if he's ever heard of this place that she's going to go to, Jake's place. And he's like, oh, it's a bar. And uh, they don't have the best uh, reputation of being the nicest bar. Some mean guys go into that place. Yeah, it basically says there's fights there all the time. And that there's no way that Dana should go to that bar. Yeah, and now Carol's worried. Um, she doesn't want him to go and she or her to go. And she wants Frank to go with her to kind of break the news to Dana that she shouldn't go. But Frank's like, oh, I can't do that. Dana already doesn't like me. I don't want to be the one that kind of stepped in and made it so she can't go. And uh, it's like, you need to kind of go do that on your own, Carol. Yeah, but before she can, Dana comes downstairs and she's super excited to go and Dana and Carol can't bring herself to do it. Yep. Um, so we go to the kitchen after this. Uh, I think all the kids are in there at this point. They're all kind of talking about like yeah. what they're doing over the weekend. And mm. uh, Dana at this point mentions she's excited because she's going to go see this uh, Arlo Prine not a real uh, artist, right? No, no. It's a mix of Arlo Guthrie and, and John Prine. Oh, is that's that what they're they going for? for? Okay. Yeah. So um, she's all excited. And then this is where uh, Dana's le- or uh, Carol's like, Dana, about that concert. Um, I kind of heard that it's not the best place. And I don't think you should go. And uh, Dana immediately knows that Frank had something to do with this, that he told her Mm -hmm. it's not the right place to go. And uh, she is instantly mad at Frank for everything that has just happened. Frank can't win. Poor guy. So then we go later that I'm guessing it's that night, maybe the next night, whatever night. It seems like it seems like it's that night. Yeah. Whatever night Arlo Prine is playing, um, Dana and Karen are coming downstairs. Does it look like Karen's going to this as well or just like. So it seems like that. I mean, it turns out that she obviously isn't was never planning to, but it does for some reason. I don't I don't know why they involved Karen in this, but it it seems like that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So they're going outside to sneak uh, Dana out. And uh, as they're about to go out the back kitchen door, they are stopped by JT and Al, who uh, know that she's trying to sneak out, and they end up uh, making Dana give them each five bucks to not say anything. And Karen's mad because Karen didn't get any money. <laughs> so um, then we go a little later. It's that night still. Uh-huh. Uh, Cody's in the kitchen cleaning an engine on the ground. Um, JT comes in. Cody asks JT if he's seen Dana. And JT tells him that, uh, yeah, she actually snuck out and went to uh, Jake's place to go see this band. And he's like, oh, no, that place is like the worst. And uh, he runs out to go save Dana from Jake's place so she's not murdered. 
he does have to come back in and get the uh, the the motor though, so that he can. Like, whoa! Yeah, I forgot this. I need it. this to get my car going. Horrible Cody impression. <laughs> I love Cody. He's great. All right, so um, now we go to Jake's place. We're there now. Dana and uh, Bernice—that's her name, right, Bernice? Bernice. Yeah, yeah, Bernice. They're there um, checking out this place. It's a bunch of like—I mean, I'm assuming bikers. They've all got it's a leather jackets. Biker dive on. bar. Yeah, it's a biker dive bar. Everyone's smoking. Everything's dirty. There's stuff everywhere. Um, Dana asks for a table, and the uh, bartender slash owner guy kind of like wipes off like all the trash off the table right onto the floor. And she's like, hey, "You have anything in the non-smoking section?" And then he like blows his smoke like straight up in the air. He's like, well, "This dude." She's like, "Uh, yeah." So yeah, they're <laughs> at this place that is not what they expected. Is what it's no, like. not at all. This is like the worst place that they could possibly be. And Bernice can immediately see that she should not be there. Yeah, and Bernice is trying to get out of there. She's like, "I'm getting out of here." Yeah. Dana's like, "No, you've got to stay with me." And then uh, one of the bikers takes a glass bottle and throws it against the wall. And then Bernice, before Dana's even able to say anything, runs out the door, leaving Dana there all alone. I used to have this concept for like a bar slash kind of, I guess, rage room that had a wall that you could throw your bottles against uh-huh. once you're done drinking. And then it would just fall into like a trash pit. So like behind, know. not I guess not behind the bar, but behind something. So like, no. like, like to the left, like you just turn left, you chuck your bottle, you break it against the wall and, and it falls into like a trash pit. But it seems pretty dangerous nonetheless. Is that why you didn't open it? Because it just seemed a little too dangerous. I mean, that's the only reason why everything else was in place. It was just the insurance was ridiculous. Okay. So we go back to the house. Um, Karen's going out now. And Frank says that he's going to go upstairs to talk to Dana about everything. And uh, Dana tries her hardest to uh, cover and not let Frank go upstairs. But she is really bad at it. And uh, they know you said Karen, right? Karen tries her hardest. I don't know what I said, but I did mean Karen. She's trying real hard. But um, yeah, she can't do it. They immediately know that uh, Dana's not up there. And Karen tells them, uh, I don't know if she tells them directly, but they know she's at Jake's place and they rush out the door to also go save her because we might as well have everyone from the family go to Jake's place now. I mean, I, well, the thing is, they don't know that Cody went, you know, That's they're, true. they're That's just true. They're, they're just going because they don't think anybody else is going to rescue her. So now we're back at Jake's place again. Um, we meet this uh, one biker named Psycho and he's trying Psycho. to uh, hit on Dana <laughs> trying to get her to stay. Um, she's trying to leave. She wants to get out of there. But um, Psycho's actually physically holding her back now from leaving. And this is yeah. where Cody comes in to save the day. Yeah, yeah. Psycho won't let her leave at all. So from here, um, I mean, we get Cody stepping in. Um, mm-hmm. And then Psycho uh, and him like start like pushing each other. And eventually... Psycho like whistles and calls all of his uh, buddy biker gangs over. And, yeah, it's like what six or seven people, right? Yeah, something like that. They all circle Cody and Dana in the middle, and then Cody one by one is able to fight off each and every biker, pretty much using their skills. Like he copies whatever the, whatever they're doing. Most of them know pretty uh, pretty substantial level of karate or taekwondo, and uh, Cody is mastering all these skills, beats them all up one at a time, and then. After they're all down, they somehow all magically get back up and grab Cody, holding him down. This was a really good scene. This was a really good fight I liked scene. It too. Yeah. And Sasha Mitchell, Baron Sasha Mitchell? Cohen. No, not that one. The other Sasha. Um, 
he can kick, man. He, he's got some moves, which was fun to see. Yeah. So. Um, so they push down Dana, or I think Psycho does at this point. And then when it looks like the two of them are going to be murdered and probably like hung up on a wall or something, Frank shows up. And then we have the dynamic duo of Frank and Cody beating them all up once again, eventually throwing Psycho on the bar and doing one of those old Western style, like slides across the bar and eventually um, defeating all of the biker dudes. And throughout this whole fight too, both, both parts of it, Cody alone and then Cody with Frank, there are like, he's throwing people out of windows. I don't know if you mentioned that, like he's like breaking tables. I mean, it's, and obviously, I mean, the window when you as soon as as soon as Dana and Bernice walk in, you're like, someone's going through that window because there's a giant window for no reason <laughs> on the side of the wall. But it was fun. It was this whole thing was just a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't know if you knew this about bikers, Travis, but bikers don't really like windows. So it was very out of place. <laughs> I mean, generally, bars don't have windows that big that catered to that kind of clientele so so we think now that uh cody and frank have taken out all the bad guys but one final guy comes up from behind frank but luckily carol is there to save the day throws him across the bar and uh we then find out from dana that that was not a biker dude that was arlo prine who she had come to see in concert i mean carol just trying to do her best so uh, that's the end of the bar scene. We go back home. Uh, Dana's there thanking Cody. Carol tells Dana that she's a self-centered pig-headed brat, and uh, she's grounded for six years. Six years. That's a long time to ground anybody. It's a long time. Carol goes upstairs. Dana and Frank talk. Uh, Frank's like, I can probably talk it down to four years. She apologizes to Frank. They have a little heart-to-heart conversation, and uh, she's like, you know what, Frank? You throw a pretty mean punch. Uh, doesn't it hurt a little bit? And he's like, oh, not if you know how to throw it. They say goodnight. She goes upstairs. And then he takes his fist and dunks it in a tub of ice cream to uh, help with the bruising. That's the end of the episode. It is. I think it's important to kind of to highlight what they say to each other here. Because Dana basically tells Frank, she's like, look, I'm sorry. I'm not used to having a stepfather. And Frank says, I understand. You know, I'm not used to being a stepfather. So basically, we both got some learning to do. Good episode. I liked it. It was. It was a lot of fun. It was a really good episode. Uh, so then we go into not a very fun episode. This is Perfect Strangers Citizenship oh, Part 1, uh, Season 7, Episode 8. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to start. Um, you know, well, so I'm surprised. First of all, I'm surprised that you're you're just beginning of this. I, I, I had no problems with this episode whatsoever. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, okay. So it starts off, Larry is dragging in this large, like, trunk from outside, like a big wooden box. Crate, yeah. Um, we find out that Balky's downtown finishing up his citizen test, citizenship test. And uh, we also find out that Larry has a surprise for Balky. His mom is here. We think that she's in the box, but it turns out she's outside, like, looking at the mailbox or something. Well, specifically, Larry has invited and brought Balky's mom to America to see Balky become a citizen. Yeah. So she's not just there, but Larry has has arranged for her to come himself. Yeah, exactly. So um, she comes in. I didn't even realize it first, but it's Balky just dressed up in women's... Bronson Pinchot. Like an oversized... Yeah. Like, I don't know, like a so, fat suit and like a women's outfit and a dress and wig and yeah. stuff like that. This episode was nominated for an Emmy was for really? 
outstanding achievement in makeup for a, a series. It, it ended up losing to Star Trek The Next Generation, which was probably pretty hard to beat in the makeup category for a few years. But um, it was nominated for, for an Emmy for the makeup. I'll be honest, episode. I did not immediately catch that it was Balgi. So I knew it going into it because I had seen that it was nominated for an Emmy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I can make that assumption pretty quickly. I, what, what what I think really, really kind of like is the tell is that Mama has the exact same mannerisms as Balky. And those are those are mannerisms that aren't just something you copy because you watch Bronson Pinchot be Balky. Those are mannerisms that are unique, I think, to okay. Bronson Pinchot. We'll talk about that a little more in a little bit, actually. Okay. Um, All right. So she comes in. I think she's speaking gibberish, but apparently me posting now sounds like that. Like, I feel like it sounds completely different than we've known it to sound for the last eight episodes, eight seasons. No, it's just an, just an older woman speaking Maposi. And it's, it, it sounds just like I would expect someone to speak Maposi at that age. All right. Well, that, that was my biggest gripe was I, I felt she was, oh, that an, was your biggest gripe. She was, that's an, why you, she was that's, annoying. That's why you hate this episode. She was oh, annoying. Just, she sounded to be. like she's stupid. To be. I feel like they changed Maposi for this episode. Oh no, Steve, come on, come on. Also another gripe. Um, Marianne seemed something's off with her this episode. And it's not like the character, like her <sighs> acting seems completely different for some reason. Like, She's overacting. I don't know if she has longer lines or what, but she just sounds different than she normally does. I don't know. I didn't pick up on it. It was um, specifically this this intro with the mom coming in and stuff. Like, I don't know. Something just seemed off with her. I don't know. I didn't pick up on it. All right. So um, they're like, everyone's talking. Well, kind of, I guess. Like Jennifer and Marianne are, are talking to Larry and they're like, does she speak any English? And she's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, well, the TV stuff that she's learned. And then she like, says a bunch of lines that she knows from like famous TV shows, like American TV shows. I don't remember which ones they were. I don't know. Like uh, I love Lucy. Yeah. um, Yeah. Dragnet or car 54. Where are you? Or something like that. I think the other important thing here is that, is that Larry has taken the time to learn a very small amount of uh, Maposi and so that he can talk to her. Uh, He has a Maposi dictionary. And so he, he has been trying to communicate with her as much as possible in her, in her native language. So we hear a car horn. Um, the girls say, oh, it's Balky. He's home. And then uh, they want Mama to hide in the closet. But uh, I guess there's miscommunication here. And she thinks the closet's her bedroom. And then right. they tell her to go in there. And uh, eventually she gets she's in the closet with the door shut. And then Balky comes inside. Um, immediately he is singing Yankee Doodle Dandy because we find out that he has passed his citizenship test. And all he has to do now is be sworn in and he will be an American citizen. This is another one of those things that I feel like they could have spent a lot more time on because it's a pretty monumental event for somebody who is, you know, they haven't really discussed it in the last eight seasons. I mean, so they, I feel gave, like they could they, have spent some time here. They gave it a two part episode. Uh, they gave Mama a two part <laughs> episode. They, I'm talking about him like, like earning his citizenship. Cause I'm sure that, I mean, that would be a fun thing. I mean, we know he's been going to class, but I don't know. It just feels like, they could have been there could have been more there so uh yeah balky's all excited that he's going to become a citizen so he wants to call his mom he picks up the phone they're trying to tell him that she's there but uh he picks up the phone and he and mama's just like talking to him through the closet door while he's on the phone and he thinks right. that she's picked up the phone before it even rang like because she knows that he's calling and they kind of have a conversation through the co- closet door with him thinking that he's talking to her on the phone if that makes sense you spend way more time on that than like 
more important stuff. Yep. So uh, <laughs> Larry goes over, opens the door, reveals that Mama's in there. They hug. Um, they put the TV in the closet because she thinks it's her bedroom. And then we kind of go to the next scene. Yep. Commercial next scene. Um, note. Uh, I think, I mean, obviously the technology wasn't great back then. But, I mean, the scenes where you can see the face of Mama and Balky are pretty bad. You think so? See, I didn't think they were that bad at all. I thought they were pretty good. Also, uh, I don't know if you knew this, um, but any scene where you see the back of one of the characters and the front of the other character, like they're having a conversation with each other, the back of whoever it is is played by ba- or, uh, Bronson's brother, Justin. Is that true? Yeah, so it is true. Um, so like, if you're seeing the back of like, Mama like- and you're not seeing her face, but you're seeing the face of Balky, then it's Justin in costume. And if you're seeing the opposite, then it's Justin just standing there as Balky. And later in the season, I think it's either this season or next season, we're going to have an episode with Balky and a Balky lookalike. And the Balky lookalike is also played by Justin. I wonder if Justin was his just like stand in generally. Um, And they're like, well, we got him on set. Let's use him." But I, I I didn't know that. That's good. That's good trivia. I didn't see that. So apparently um, like, yeah, they bring him in to actually like act when he plays his brother. Yeah. Yeah. On a later episode. So, all right. So we're now to the next day. Um, we're at the Chronicle. Mama arrives with Marianne, Jennifer, and like 15 shopping bags. Like apparently all the girls have gone out. And, uh, yeah, they're taking around town. We find out that she wanted to get a bunch of souvenirs. And in Meepos, they have this um, slogan, I guess, that if you can lift it, it's yours. And she has brought a bunch of gifts for Larry, including... Uh, I think there was a no parking sign, a no parking sign, and then a meter, parking meter. She, she took the meter off. Yeah. So he's like, did you buy anything? And then she pulls out this like blue sequins dress that she purchased. And uh, oh, it's very I think she call he calls her like a, a sex symbol or something. She's like, oh, yeah, I hate exactly. her talking like I really can't stand it. It's not that bad. It's totally fine. So the girls say they have to go. So they go off, Jennifer and Marianne. And then this is where we talked about in the beginning of the episode, we get this awkward moment with uh, Sam and Lydia. Yeah, out of nowhere, for no reason. So Sam and Lydia come out from one of their offices in the back, and uh, Sam is tucking in his shirt. They're giggling. Lydia is saying, uh, oh, I didn't know you were that ticklish. And then... uh, the they end up going off somewhere and she's like let's i'll take you to lunch but let's not let let's not let anyone know that we're together or something like that yeah basically like we got to pretend like we're not there dating and it's just this relationship has sprung up seemingly out of nowhere for no reason and i'm sure there'll be no payoff ever for it i mean they might have been like sexing in the back room like every episode and we just never knew it until now I mean, yeah, seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah. This shows up. So, <laughs> so uh, Balky comes in at this point, and uh, he's excited. He wants to give his mom a tour of the building, and then they send her up in the elevator for some reason? No, well, no. So there's an escalator. Are you talking about the escalator? No, guy? the elevator. He, like, puts her in the elevator and pushes the button, the door closes, and that's the end of the Well, that's scene. how you get to the rest of the building. I mean, why didn't Balky get in the elevator? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. It's like, bye, mom. I'm gonna give you a tour now. That, that's a good. That's a very good point. No idea. I don't know, but uh, yeah, there was an escalator thing too, where she, Marianne and Jennifer were like, "Oh, she loved the escalator. This was her favorite part of the whole day." And like, she walks over to the stairs 
tries to get him to move like an escalator and Larry's like, oh, it's broken. Yep, they just tell her it's broken instead of telling her they're actually just stairs. All right, so back at the house, um, Mama's cooking this huge meposing dinner. It's got everything. Snouts. It's like a, yeah, it's like a snout casserole, but it, it's pink. Everything know. you can think of. Um, she's making this huge dinner. Um, there's this ongoing there's this, thing with, uh, what, Marianne? Yep, yep. That's what I was going to say, where she's trying to fatten Marianne up so that she'll she'll be more like in childbearing shape, according to Mama. So she just starts force-feeding her this this snout casserole thing that she's making. I think they call it snout pudding. I could be wrong. But Was it pudding? I, I, I it might have been. It it's pretty been. gross it looking. Been. But it's funny because she keeps like mentioning how like uh, like Jennifer's in perfect shape for having a baby, but you you need a th- you need to fatten up or something. Right. And like yeah. they're they're pretty similar built girls. I mean, I'm not saying she's right, but that's her opinion. Um. Uh, yeah. So cooking, eating. Um. They all sit down at the table to go eat, and uh, Larry tries to give a toast. Uh, he toasts to Mama, and then he tries to give a toast to Balky for becoming a citizen. But we find out there was some miscommunication. Larry's Miposian is not perfect, and he had been telling Mama the whole time that Balky was going to be getting his driver's license. He did not actually tell her that she's that he's going to be getting his citizenship. And now Mama is very upset. She had no idea that this meant that Balky was going to be staying in the United States. So she runs off crying um, and comes back in real quick, gives Balky a chicken foot with one missing toe, which we one find out this is a symbol of uh, she is now disowning him. And if he doesn't go back to Meepos, their relationship is over forever. Ever. Forever. No longer. So Balky uh, says, all right, I guess I'm going back to Meepos, going upstairs to pack. And that's where we uh, we leave off with him going upstairs. Well, that's where we leave off right there. For that yeah. scene. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. So um, the next scene, Balky is uh, about to leave. He's at the front door. Um, find out Mama's already gone back to Meepos. And uh, Larry is... I mean, I want to say doing whatever he can to try to get him to stay, but he's not really trying that hard, it doesn't seem like. Well, I mean, he's... Yeah, he's kind of, like, being understanding. It's it's just a tough situation for, for Larry and Balky, I guess. It's like, I mean, if you gotta go, you gotta go. See you later, Balky. I'm gonna be sad. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna miss you, but uh, I understand. And uh, and Balky, Balky's like, I've already said goodbye to the, to the women, so they're crying right now. Talk to you later. Yep, so off goes Balky. Balky's off to Meepos. They should have just ended the whole show by right here, I think, like forever. What? What? I'm done with Perfect Strangers. I don't know. I feel like it's a lot better this season than it was last season. Yeah, I used to a like lot the show better. More. Last season was not. I was not a fan of. I I've been enjoying this season. So we get one final scene. Um, it says four days later on the screen, so it's probably four days later. Uh, Jennifer, Marianne. And Larry, they're all in the kitchen uh, eating. I think uh, Jennifer and Marianne, one of them tried to make some uh, some snout pudding, I think. Marianne. Marianne's trying to make, learn how to make snout pudding for Balky since Balky is, you know, that's what he likes. Uh, we find out from Marianne that Balky had called earlier today. He sends his love to everyone. Uh, Marianne starts crying, and Larry says, that's it. I'm going to Meepos, and I'm going to bring Balky back. And then we get a to-be-continued, and we're going to have to wait till next week. Next week, we're going to Meepos. 
I'm excited. Are you excited? You're not excited to see Meepos? I think I'm excited to see Meepos. I mean, I'm assuming we're going to see Meepos, right? We got to. Just wait until you have an entire cast of people who are talking about Posey. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Ugh. I'm going to love it. It's I'm going to pretend like I couldn't watch it for some reason. Just not watch it. <laughs> oh, man. Come on. All we, right. We, we've, we've watched worse. I liked it. I thought it was a great episode. I had no problem with this episode whatsoever. Well, speaking of worse, we'll pick right up with uh, Baby Talk Season 2, Episode 7. Name of the episode is Dr. Duck's Jamboree. So, I don't know if you know this. You do know this. I write all my notes handwritten, and they're usually exactly two pages per episode, right? For some reason, I wrote three pages of notes on this stupid episode of Baby Talk. And I don't know. I have no idea why. I probably wrote half as many notes as I normally. Well, no, it's about it's about normal. It's about normal. I think the most uh, interesting part of this episode for me was this intro with Mickey. <laughs> what? So I don't know how much attention you. Can what is going on with your but, life right now? So the scene is just Mickey playing some basketball, right? Yeah. There's uh-huh. some there's some quote or Tony Danza's talking over top, talking about like, oh, this is a basketball hoop with a hole in it or whatever. Got a hole in it. It's That's broken. not the important part. The important part is this leg slash waist of a girl that is off frame that we do not see the rest of her body. And I have no idea what's going on with it. Is it a, does it appear to be a child? Or it appears it to be another child that Mickey would be playing with if this was any other week's episode. But for some reason, they cut the frame so you cannot see her. And for some reason, they left part of her leg and her hip in it as well. I, so I missed that. I did not see that. Um, it's a blue, okay. it's a blue, yeah, sure. blue dress. You only see it twice. It's not through the entire clip. It's once kind of in the beginning and then once kind of at the end. I mean, whatever. It's very interesting to me. I want to I got, know. I got low. I got why low, did this baby suck? For the show. Why did they cut her out of the scene? What uh, what hideous growth does she have on her forehead that they didn't want her in there? Like, what is going? I think on? she was probably just being difficult. They're like, we don't have time for this. Just film shooting it, and we'll we'll move on. Yeah, we'll come back to it at the very end of the uh, of the episode because we know they like to throw it back in at the end. But uh, we go to the theme song. Mm-hmm. We come back. Um, we get. I think we get our first like vision of where exactly she's living because there's a sign outside that says columbia we do. heights yep i caught that and i was like well now we now we have some uh, some if some we could go back in time a week ago it. i could have found that apartment yep next time next time uh so maggie and james are playing nintendo which is kind of cool um they actually playing sh- playing because obviously they're not actually i mean it's frustrating how incorrect the uh the playing of nintendo is here what's wrong with it well, like they're calling so, things the wrong things and like talking well, about so, the wrong level. So she talks about going down the pipe. And and so where they're at, when they show, when they cut back after she allegedly went down the pipe in Super Mario Brothers. She gets killed by the very first Goomba that comes out. Like she's not even to the first pipe yet. Yeah, this is, it's just not, none, none of this is correct. None of this is right. Those are called Goombas, right? The little mushroom guys? Yeah. Yeah. What's a Koopa Troopa? Is that the turtle? Koopa Troopa? Yeah, James well, says, oh, you just got killed by a Koopa Troopa. A Goomba? Yeah, Goomba's the mushroom. A Koopa Troopa? Yeah, I think a Koopa is the... It's, 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 none of it's right. None it of might it even sense. be the flying turtle, which she was nowhere near the first flying no, the, turtle. Oh, the like the ones... Yeah. Well, I don't even know if they have the... Are the flying turtles in... In 1-1? In Super might Mario not even, Brothers? They're in Super Mario Brothers. I don't know if they're in level 1-1 or not. 
I don't know. They're in one two, I, I think, because they're going up. Doesn't matter, whatever. But I thought matter. it was still cool that they had a Nintendo and they were showing actual game footage, though. Yeah, that was fine. All right. Whatever. Um, Not impressed. Yep. Yeah, so Maggie dies. Uh, James calls it a Koopa Troopa, and uh, she says, uh, "Hey, I got to go to work. I'm covering for somebody else. Uh, thanks for babysitting, James." And then we go uh, to the next scene. So now we're um. We're at the scene where Maggie is actually uh, meeting with this client, one of those people that she's covering for, and uh, they're in a TV studio. So he comes out, and this guy is dressed like a duck. So it's like a children's TV show or something, and uh, he starts flirting with her, and then um, she's like, oh, sign these papers, and uh, he pretty immediately asks her out on a date. Yeah, I mean he's pretty aggressive. So, but she's can like, you hear me at all? Yeah, yeah. So she's like, uh, okay. yeah, uh, I'll go out with you. Pretty quickly, she agrees to it, and uh, they're gonna go out on a date. Yep, yep. He and it's what the name of the show. The show is what Doctor Ducks Jamboree. Doctor Ducks that's, Jamboree. That's what I was like yeah, yeah. And Sam is the name of the is the name of the guy who is is flirting with her. Yeah. So Sam is the duck. So sometimes we'll call him Doctor Duck, and sometimes we'll probably call him Sam. But uh, you'll figure it out. So. Yeah. Uh, we then go to, it's nighttime, it's back at the apartment, uh, Maggie is getting ready for a date with Dr. Duck, and uh, James comes over to watch Mickey, and uh, we kind of feel like, uh, James kind of mentions a bunch of stuff that he hasn't had the best day, like nothing's really going right today. Yeah, I mean, he's just having, he's having a tough time. So she's like, hang in there, James, everything's going to be okay, and then um, they talk a little bit about Sam, Dr. Duck, for a little bit. And then uh, Sam buzzes up to come up to the apartment, but Maggie's like, hey, I got to go to Anita's and borrow some earrings, so if you want to hang out over here and let Sam in when he comes in, that'd be great. Why didn't she just wait for, like, a minute? Oh, no, I thought it was weird, too, but I think that they need an excuse to get Anita. I, I don't know. I, the whole thing is, is weird. So Maggie goes over to Anita's apartment. James is like, all right, Mickey, I got to put you to sleep. So... He goes into the bedroom. He starts singing like this ABC like kids song that obviously he wrote because it's like lyrics. He's made, he made it up. Yeah, yeah. He's probably even making it up on the spot. Um, so Sam comes in. He just decides to let himself in because I mean that's what you do if you're going on a first date with somebody whose apartment you've never been into. You just walk into their apartment. Was the door not open? I feel like she left the door open and he just kind of walked in the open door. It might have been cracked. I don't think it was all the way open, but okay. Um, all right. Either way, I still don't think I would walk right in. Like, sure, you say, hey, Maggie, I'm here. And then if she says something, oh, hey, come on in, then you can walk in. But you just don't walk if in. If the door is, if I've buzzed up and the door is cracked when I get up there, I'm probably knocking and like opening the door, sticking my head in a little bit. I'm probably, I'm probably walking in a little bit. First if the door's date, open first after date I, you are? If I've already buzzed up. So she's, you got to think, he knows that she, she, he knows that she knows he's coming. So it's not like he's just walking into the room unannounced. He's already right. buzzed up to let her know he's there. Okay. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's the right etiquette. I've never really lived in that situation, but I'm not. I'm not totally against what he does. Either. So Sam goes into the apartment. He goes back. He's like looking for Maggie. He's like, oh, there's no one here. Let's go in the back of the apartment and see uh, what trouble I can stir up. So he goes up into uh, Mickey's room. He sees James uh, singing this song to Mickey, putting Mickey to sleep, and he just kind of watches. They have a little brief like conversation. Oh, well, a cool song or something. He's like, oh, I'm an artist. I wrote the song kind of thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of sets up the whole episode, though. 
Yes, it does. So, so then, then they they go back out into the den, and this is when Maggie comes in, and she and she has Anita and and Tony in tow, pretty much. Yeah, and uh, Anita's like, oh yeah, I just wanted to bring Tony over so he could uh, meet a real TV star, which I don't know what she's comparing. Yeah, like who she uh, to who's what not other a TV, TV star. star, right? Right. But uh, he's like, I didn't want to come over here. You just wanted to see what's what Maggie's date looked like. And uh, then they go back to the apartment. Like, that's really the whole th- reason they came over was for five seconds of incredible comedy. So um, they leave. Maggie and Sam leave. Um, oh, no, no. First, uh, Maggie goes back into the back, wakes Mickey back up from his sleep for some reason, brings Mickey out to Sam to meet Sam. Then Maggie and Sam leave and then J- tells James to go put Mickey back to sleep. Yeah, that's what happens. You you went into No wonder you took three pages. You went into a lot of detail here because I've already <laughs> skipped to the next day. So it's, a ne- it's the next day now. Uh, Maggie's or talk- whatever. It's later. It's later. Maggie's talking to Anita while she's prepping dinner and she's like, uh, things are kind of getting serious. And uh, James comes over to bring Mickey a present and then uh, Anita and Maggie continue to kind of talk about Sam a little bit. And uh, she's talking about how she really likes him. And then they get into a conversation about like, uh, no, we haven't had sex yet. I'm not that kind of girl. And then she's like, oh, well, I'm not that kind of girl anymore. And like, yeah. <laughs> well, because Anita like says you have a, you have a child and no father. So you're, you're <laughs> yeah. not, not that kind of girl, allegedly. Um, James comes back in with Mickey, who's wearing a football helmet, which I'm guessing was the gift that he brought for Mickey. I don't know. Sure, absolutely, of course it was. Um, Anita goes home, and then Mickey, James, and uh, Maggie sit down in Maggie, front of the yeah. TV. They turn Doctor Duck on the TV, and what do you know? Doctor Duck is singing almost the exact song that James was singing when he put Mickey to bed the nights before. Theft, theft. Uh, there are some different lyrics, so I don't know. Um, we'll see if it holds up. We'll see. We'll uh, see. So James quickly realizes it, that it's the song that he stole. And James says that he wants to sue this guy. And then uh, Maggie's like, well, what happened? And then James is all mad. And then uh, she's actually kind of defending Dr. Duff. She is defending yeah. him. She doesn't believe James at all, yeah. And uh, then James is like, well, I'm mad. I'm leaving. So he, he gets out of the apartment. Yep. So we then go, I think later that night, because they're, they're doing the dinner that she was prepping for. Right, um, exactly. Sam's over. Maggie's acting kind of weird, and Sam calls her out for it. And she, Well, she's like not trusting him because she's kind of like on the fence of if this was real or not. She's like, didn't I give you another fork? And he's like, yeah, it's right here under my napkin. Because uh, James warned, him, warned her that he might be trying to steal all the silverware. So... Um, then she uh, tells Sam about this whole thing with James and this song, and she's like, uh, well, what happened? And he's like, oh, no, I didn't steal that from him. That's a song we've been doing for a long time. What probably happened was James had heard it on the show, forgot he had heard it, and now he just thinks that it was something that he created. Building the lies. Building the lies. Um, and then uh, he asks her, well, if I did steal it, would you be mad? And she's like, yeah, I would be mad. And he's like, well, I wouldn't do anything to make you mad and jeopardize this relationship. So um, he's like, you know what? I didn't even write that song. My staff wrote that song, and uh, it's it's a non-issue. Cut to James and his attorney. 
watching yep. wrestling. So yeah, James and his. I mean, it looks like he's like his that's two friend. weeks in a row we've gotten wrestling on a TGIF show. Yeah, I'm all so. for it. Um, so James's attorney friend slash law student is uh, watching wrestling. James isn't really watching it, which upsets me a little bit. He should get into it a little more. But uh, the lawyer attorney friend guy is all in. His name's it. Warren. 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 He's, Warren's yeah. like, uh, oh man, the ref. You got to get in there. He, I, I'm paying more attention to what's going on in the wrestling show. I know. Come on. We can, let's talk about the show. Um, so he tells them, you know what, James? You don't have a case. There's no witnesses. Yeah, nothing. There's no copyright. There's no case. And he's like, well, I want there to be a case. And then there's a knock. It's Maggie and Mickey. They come over to see James. And Maggie tells James what Sam told her. And James is like, Sam's a thief. Sam's a liar. And then Maggie leaves James's apartment angry about everything that's going on. Do you think she just left her date with Sam to come down and be like, James, you're wrong. And then like, it's like back up with with (laughs) Sam right now. Yeah, maybe. Um, I can't read what that says. So then we go to the uh, the the TV studio, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Back on set. um, Maggie is showing up. She's there to talk to Sam. She talks to the director and uh, asks him like, hey, uh, you know that song that he's singing right now? Did uh the staff write that song? And he's like, no. Sam brought that song in just a few days ago. And then Maggie knows, all right, something's up. What's up? James is telling the truth. This Sam guy is a dirty liar. Dirty liar. So uh, he finishes the scene. He comes off set. Uh, tells Sam that he needs. They need to talk. They go in his office. And Sam. Uh, Sam starts by saying, Maggie, check out this new award that I won. This is a good line right here. And she says. What is it? The Millie Vanilli Integrity Trophy? Oh, Ooh. total burn. Um, <coughs> she tells Sam, Sam, I know you stole it from James. You need to make it right. She yells at him, and then she starts pushing him into the wall. Eventually, him up. yeah, pushes him into all of his trophies. And then they have a cool shot where she's leaving the office, and you see it from the outside, and there's just yellow feathers just flying everywhere. Which And he like walks out with like feathers flying off of him. Yeah, so he comes out, and um, he's like, you know what, Maggie? There's no reason to get upset, and uh, also probably telling someone what happened, so uh, we can work it out. Um, And then they both go back into his office. So after that, uh, we're back at the apartment. Um, In the apartment. James is at Maggie's. Uh, He's there checking on the dishwasher, but he's like, there's nothing wrong with this dishwasher. And but he's acting very professional too. His like demeanor is very like I'm here to do my job. I don't want to. I don't want to be friendly with you. Yeah, that's important. Um, so he goes to leave because there's nothing wrong with it, and uh, she tells James, "Hey James, there's something I want you to see." So they sit in front of the TV. She turns on Mr. Duck, and Mr. Duck Dr. is on. Doctor Duck. Doctor. He, he got a doc. He got his doctor degree. Call him a doctor. Quack University. Is that where it was? Sure. Um, so Doctor Duck. On TV in front of this live audience, um, credits James for writing this song and yes. tells him, I think he even says, like, he's like, talented lo- local yeah. artist, James, whatever your last name is, wrote this song. And then yes. uh, Maggie hands James a check from Dr. Duck for a hundred bucks. Was it a hundred dollars before taxes? Sixty-eight fifty after taxes. After taxes, which James has no concept of how taxes work. Yeah, and then uh, I wrote down start singing. What is he singing? Oh no, Maggie starts like 
doing a real weird take on well she's song. doing because he's like what's fica and so she's like f is for federal f is, I is for fica insurance. yeah i is for yeah. insurance but she's like it's like james song because james song but she's like doing like this song. like rap version of it. she's like f is for fica it was not like that it was bad that's the end of the episode until we come back for not a scene of Mickey playing basketball. They couldn't use it because this other girl was so bad. <laughs> Is that why? It's got to be, right? No, nah, they just, we got it's got to be. It's it. got to be. So instead of using this basketball clip again for the end of the episode, instead they show Mickey, which is a cool scene, walking around, checking out the set of the Dr. Duck show. And then that's your closing scene on the episode. That's it. I really, I'm, I'm in this conspiracy. I don't know how we'll ever find out. When we get Mickey on the show, we'll ask him about it. I guess Mickey doesn't remember any. Neither of the Mick, neither of the two twins that played Mickey remembers a thing about being on this show. Uh, we'll never. All know. right, let's rank them. It's one of the let's mi- rank mysteries of TGIF. I mean, I'll go first. I'm gonna, do it. I'm gonna do. You're putting baby talk at four. I'm gonna tell you baby talk at four, and I and no, I'm gonna do. And out the top three, I liked all three. I know you didn't, but I liked all three. I'm going to put uh, Perfect Strangers at three, Family Matters at two, and Step by Step at number one. The only reason I put Family Matters ahead of Perfect Strangers is because I liked watching Jaleel White ball. Yeah. I, I actually the same order as you, so. Okay. But but you had your, your three my, and my, four. My one and two are, yeah. One two. My one and two are very yeah. separated from my three and four. Right, 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 right. Um, Cool. So what about next week? What do we got going on? Uh yeah, what do we have going? Full on week, next week still? Uh, still there? I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. Um, full week. Okay. So, Family Matters season three, episode nine, step by step, season one, episode nine, Perfect Strangers season seven, episode eight, Baby Talk season two, episode eight. Yeah, don't forget that's the uh, second part of that Perfect Strangers episode. So we yeah, will be part in, two in me post next week. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, follow us on all social media at TGIFcast. Uh, make sure you're emailing us those new theme songs, TGIFcast at gmail.com. And uh, thank you once again to Endorsed Seller for the theme song this week. Yeah, think about that name change, Endorsed Seller. With yeah, you would C. think we like bought the song or something with someone like using that as their name. Yeah, whatever. Um, what else? Anything going on? Got everything? I don't think so. I don't think there's anything else going on TGIF-wise. So we'll, I, I think I think we're going to see a lot of stuff coming up around the holidays to really kind of talk about. Did we? Oh, right now. you know, there's there were more uh, '90s con announcements since we were on last week. Like, oh yeah, that's right. The, the basically the rest of the cast of Boy Meets World except for Ben Savage and Mr. Feeney. So Mr. Angela, he is still alive. He is. Right? He is. Yeah. Angela, Eric, Topanga, and uh, Sean have all been announced. We're not going to get uh, uh, Maitland Ward on it, are we? I mean, she, she would probably do it if they paid her. Probably not. Uh, I mean, she'll do anything if you pay her. But, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe we might get her. Maybe maybe uh, Minkus. Maybe, I mean, cool. maybe, ben, maybe Ben Savage will do it. I don't, I don't think Ben we'll Savage see. is going to do it. I, I, I would, the, the sister? I would love if Mr. Feeney did it, though. I, so they did post that he's not doing cons right now, which oh, makes okay. sense. I mean, he's, because of his age and because of like just being out there exposed to people, that makes sense. But um, they they did respond to somebody and specifically said he's not doing cons right. All right, now. fair enough. Maybe so, maybe for yeah. maybe '90s con 2023. Fingers crossed, right? Um, yeah, but it'll be a good time. I'm look. I, I think we're me and you. I think are definitely going to go. So I'm I'm looking forward to at least being there. Oh, they announced Kim from Kim Possible too. I don't really. I didn't watch that. Well, show, because because the guy um, 
uh, Will Freddie. Eric's Will Freddie. Yeah, his is one of the voices he's, on he's Rick Possible. Possible or something or Ron, Ron Possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then so. they're going to do the duo photo op with Kim Possible and Ron Possible. Right. Exactly. That's cool. I'm sure some people. Really, and then you really also got the other that. Lawrence brother. The other, the other Lawrence brothers there too, and that was Sean's brother on Boy Meets World. So, so we've got that's another, five people from Boy Meets World on right now. Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I got though. Um, I think that's it for me too. All right, man. Well, have a good week, Steve. You got it, dude. Yeah. Cause it's Friday night. Yeah, cause it's Friday night. Get your wings up. This is Friday night. Friday night, and the mood is right. Gonna have some fun, show you how it's done. Cause it's party time, and it's showtime. Yeah, it's Friday night, on the show tonight. Yeah, it's Friday night, and the mood is right. Gonna have some fun, show you how it's done. TGI app, show you how it's done. Cause it's Friday night, and the mood is right. Yeah, and the mood is right. And the mood is right. Yeah, it's Friday night. Uh, uh, yeah, it's Friday night. TBA podcast.